and I'm going to dig into a few things in the book of James. Now, I, I believe, I believe there's more to the book of James than, than we have seen. Um, and that has really been captured. And again, some things, some things to really understand what's going on. You do need the Holy Spirit to bring the light. Um, and I think a lot of times people have just thought, well, James is just a very practical book. And, and, and it is. There's a lot of practical stuff in there. Um, now, some of what I'm about to point out, I, I don't, as far as I know, you won't find in any other books anyway, because <laughs> I've never found it anyway. Um, the Holy Spirit helped me to see some threads of truth through the book of James to really begin to understand. Now, I might have said some of this here before, but, 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 um, but even if I have, I'll recap and then I'm going to lead down the direction that I want to go. Um, First of all, who was James? Let me just give a little bit of information here. James, James is often called Jesus' half-brother. Mm. And the reason they say half-brother is because obviously Joseph and Mary were not both Jesus' parents, yeah. uh, whereas they would have been for, for the rest of them, okay? Mm. Um, James is not the James that we read about at the start of, of the book of um, Acts where there was a James who gets put to death. Um, there's more than one James, which is where it gets confusing. Um, <clears throat> so um, uh, it's uh, because if you read Acts, you'll find, I think it's, it's, it, is, it is in Acts 12, Herod, it's, Her Acts 12 too, talks about how Herod killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. And then just a few chapters later, you see it talking about James again. I mean, like, did, did we miss the bit where he got resurrected or what? Okay. There's two, there's more than one James. Okay. People don't realize this. I think, I think if I remember correctly, I don't know the exact number, but I think in the old cover, in the old Testament, there are something like 11 or 14 Zechariahs, Zechariahs or something like that. So we don't often realize that you've got to understand who's actually being talked about here. Okay. Um, so, so now the thing is um, James, James, who wrote the book of James, ultimately he eventually became or was regarded as the pastor of the church at Jerusalem. Uh, if you'll see in Acts 15, he, take, he, he seems to have a leadership role within Jerusalem, uh, which is why many conclude that he was probably the pastor or the leader of that, the church there. That's where they had the whole Jerusalem council in Acts 15, Paul and the others came and things. But, you know, James seems to have some, some role in chairing that meeting. Um, probably because of the pastoral. And I, I think even historically, that's where, where his position was, the pastor of the church. Um, and when you think about James in a pastoral sense, I believe some of his epistle pieces together. Now, there's stuff in a sense you can get out of the surface level of James. You know, yes, he talks about compassion for the poor. He talks about different things. And, and those are all good truths. I have no problem with those truths. But it's when you start to piece together what he's talking about and realize he's not just jumping around with random truths in what he's, what he's saying. These truths within these five chapters, I believe, are carefully selected by the Holy Spirit because they all drive in one direction. They're all connected with some, with, with some particular threads. Let me show you what those threads are by jumping a little bit through the book. Uh, James 1 and verse 7. Uh, we've talked about this verse before. We've talked about the surrounding verses. I'm just going to read this one phrase. James 1, 7 says, For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. I've talked, I've talked about it previously about the difference between God giving and us receiving. 
this this verse is not saying God will not give to this person. It's it's talking about a blockage on the receiving side. Okay, so you got very often God's God God's trying to teach us how to open our hand to receive from spiritual things. And so this this verse is not there to condemn a person. It's there to teach and help us to see how to receive better. Okay, but the key thing there is a person who doesn't receive. Would you agree with me? Another way of saying someone doesn't receive is that they don't get results. Mm. Okay. Hang that thought in your mind. I'm going to use that terminology. No results, Mm. no results. So this person, whatever the scenario, whatever the details of James one, verse five, six, and seven, ask for wisdom, faith, wave, and all these kind of things. The end conclusion is that person doesn't get a result. They then don't receive. Okay. Now jump down to James one 26. James 1.26. I'm not going through the individual truths in the middle yet. I will do in a moment. James 1.26 says, if anyone among you thinks he is religious, the word religious is, is not is probably misguiding in the way that the way it's translated. Uh, spiritual or something like that might be better. But but it's not the major thing I'm focusing on now. If anyone among you thinks among you thinks he is religious, um and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. You see that phrase? Mm-hmm. Uh, do, do, does any of your translations say something different to, to useless? Yeah, okay. I think some translations translated as void, um, but the word there, the original, can actually be translated empty or void of result. Do you see the pattern? Yeah. And I, 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 you could, I wrote this in the side of my Bible when I saw this. I went through each of these. Verse 7, I wrote, no result. Verse 26, no result. Mm-hmm. <coughs> so he's saying a person in this condition, now we could study the specifics of the condition. He says, if a person... A person may think they're spiritual, may think they're all kind of things, but he says, if they can't get bridle their tongue, can't, can't get control of the tongue. And this is long before James 3, where he talks about the tongue. We're still in chapter 1. He says they're deceiving their own heart and their religion or their spirituality will not have results, no matter how spiritual they appear. Yeah? yeah? So you've got two situations within the first chapter of a person not getting results. Yeah. James 2, verse 17. <clears throat> Um, again, we won't go into the specific details of what's been spoken of here. We've probably done individual studies of faith without works is dead. But just read this one phrase, uh, James 2, verse 17, thus also faith by itself, uh, if it does not have works, <coughs> is dead. Now, I don't know about you, something that's dead doesn't produce anything. So I wrote next to this in my Bible, no results. That faith, faith in that condition will not produce results. Seeing a pattern. Okay. James 3 verse 6. Actually, hold on. Um, uh, Okay. Yeah, I will read James 3 3 verse 6, actually. 
um, although it doesn't use the same terminology, a similar concept is there. James 3, 6 says, and, a and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body. And it is this, and sets on fire the course of nature and is set on fire by hell. Now, he doesn't necessarily in this verse use the concept of no results, but he does use the idea of a destructive fire in the life, raging through the life, burning. This is not a positive fire of the Holy Spirit, okay? Right? Now, jump down to chapter 4. Verse 2 and 3. James chapter 4, verse 2 and 3. Says uh, James 4, verse 2, you lust and do not have. Well, what does do not have sound like? No results. No results. <laughs> it's not happening. Things are not happening. You know, lust there, lust we often think is sexual desire, but lust is, it refers to a strong, intense desire you really, really want. You know, I know people who really, really, really want their healing. They strongly want something. They strongly want answered prayer. But yeah, he says, you've, you, you're desperate for it, is another way we could even word this in a paraphrase. And you do not have. You murder and covet. And why do people murder and covet? You know, it, it, because... Some, I mean, all kinds of reasons, but, but you know, they're, they're, they're willing to kill for, they're so desperate to have something, they're willing to kill someone to get their stuff. This is someone who really, really, really wants something, okay? You murder and cover it, notice this, and cannot obtain. No result. You can't get it, no matter how desperate you are for it. You fight and war. Again, people going to, they're going to fight war, they're coveting, murdering, I mean, these are all negative things, but... But the core here is, he says, you fight and war, yet you do not have, because. And he says, because you do not ask. But I've underlined that, that the, in my translation, it says, yet you do not have. Again, twice in this verse, he says, do not have, do not have. It means you're not getting it, are you? You're not getting something. Verse three, you ask, and here he says it quite, quite bluntly, you ask and do not receive. Do you, do you see, he's not changing topic through the book of James, is he? He is circling around different subjects, but keeps coming back to the same point. You ask and do not receive because. Now he gives a reason. Now notice, notice in these two verses, twice he's, in verse two, he says, at the end of verse two, you, yet you do not have because. Verse three, you, uh, you ask and do not receive because. Do you see that? Do you see that? Does, what does this tell you? There are reasons people don't get results. The word because means the reasons. Now, how many people are asking, why am I not getting results? Why, what's happening? What, why is it not happening? You want to understand why results don't happen? Understand the book of James. Yeah. You've got to. It's, it is a key theme within this book of why he's focused on this so verse three you ask and do not receive because then he gives the reasons okay we could go into the details we may or may not study the details but notice this now um jump down to chapter 5 verse 16 another familiar verse but look how he ends the book after all these you don't get you don't get you don't get you don't get what does he tell us at the end? James 5, 16. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be. Yeah. Now he's talking about a person getting results. The effect of fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. That's another way of saying is producing. It's getting results. Yeah. So he ends the book on a high. Let me tell you why I personally, again, I did not get this out of a 
any theological book. This is my personal belief. If you disagree with me, that's fine. I can't prove this, but I do believe based upon what I've just shown you, why I personally believe James wrote this book. This is not what you'll get under some New Testament literature of some theologian telling you why James Booker wrote it. I personally believe James, well, this, this part we know James was a pastor and I believe he was dealing with people day by day in the church who are not getting results. I believe he, he, had, he, he would be preaching faith. He'd be preaching. I know, I know Paul preached mountain-moving faith. Because yeah. in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul said, if I've got faith to move mountains but do not have love, well, well he must have preached mountain-moving faith and believed in it if, to even say that phrase. Okay? Well, I believe James preached mountain-moving faith. I believe these are new messages. and not 21st century message. Where did they get these things in, from the first place? James grew up with Jesus. I think he knew some of the things Jesus said. Jesus taught mountain moving faith. <laughs> okay. These guys heard about Jesus teaching things. But you know what? I think they, I think in churches in their day, they encountered the same problems we encounter. Not just like in Corinthians, you look about all the sins and all the things. I, I think they encountered the same message, the same challenges with the messages of the word that we encounter today. Yeah. I believe. He would be preaching the word, preaching the word, and those young Christians who didn't quite understand the word were probably coming. He might not have had the offices like we had the offices these days. We were coming to, over to his pastoral house and his study, wherever they, he was, and we're asking questions, why isn't this working for me? Why can't I get this? Now, James was known as a man of prayer. In fact, they, it said when he died, he, uh, he, I think they threw him, threw him off the Camels. off the. The, the temple or something from high up or something. I mean, he, but he, he, he said when he died, his knees were worn out from, from being on them. So he was a man of prayer. I mean, you know, someone says, well, why doesn't he, why didn't he get his knees renewed or whatever? But I just, I just think, yeah, it's not the issue. I, I think that, I think he spent so much time on his knees personally, what I believe happened. And I, I don't often preach my personal belief on something. I usually try to go with the word, but this doesn't, you can't contradict this one either. Okay. I personally believe James went to God in prayer with this issue. Why are people not getting results? And I believe the book of James is what God showed him. Okay. And th this book to me is all about what stops things working. Now consider this for a moment. Okay. James talks about, not only does he talk about the tongue, do, pe do, do people not get their words right and it stops things working? Yeah. He talks about the love walk in the book of James. Does the Bible say faith works by love? Yeah. He talks about patience. Does the Bible say through faith and patience, we inherit the promises. Mm -hmm. He talks about joy. Is joy one of the characters? You see, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. You put together all the things he talks about, all of them in some way connect to things that stop our faith working in some way okay and uh in fact if you look at jay we read part of this one uh no well we read it already actually um james 126 if any of you thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue okay so he, he shows that the, guys this is why it's not working you know you know the incredible thing is the reason things don't or, or are not working or don't seem to be working is not as mysterious as we make it. We think there's some great answer that has never been revealed anywhere in scripture that no one has ever known that is the great deep hidden, hidden mystery and reason why things are not working in my life. And you know what? Ain't so. 
This, the same reasons as to why things are not working boil down to the same reasons for every single person. And we have to learn to overcome the things that are stopping things working. A person I personally believe is deceived if they think they've got some great thing that even God doesn't know about as to why, my prob- why I'm not getting results. Yeah. This is not as mysterious as we've made it. And the same Bible, which teaches us how things work, will also give you the reasons why things are not working. It's, the devil wants you in a thinking, a deluded thinking like, oh, man, there's, there's, you know, I know all the 32 reasons in the Bible why things don't work. But you know what? None of those apply to me. I got all of those down perfectly. My reason something else. It ain't the case. It is simply not the case. Right. God covered absolutely everything that is needed to be covered. And it is a fact that you that we will find within within the scriptures the word will point to us, and many of them are in the book of James somewhere. James is the book which talks about be doers of the word, not hearers. Why? Because a hearer ain't going to get results. Yeah, it's all in there, and and, and so I want to. I'm, I'm going to. We'll see how this goes. Whether I really dig into all of them or whether we pinpoint a few of them. But I, I'm going to look at a couple of things. A couple of things that he covers in the book of James. Is that all right with you? Let's uh, let's go to, let's go to James one. Now read this book with what I've just shown you in mind. He's teaching you how to start getting things working that have not been working. Yeah, that, and, and this I believe this is revelation from the Spirit of God to James. Uh, God opened this up to him. And uh, he pieced it together, and we can get it pieced together with the help of the Holy Spirit too. James chapter 1, well, we'll read from verse 2, says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Isn't it amazing? In a book that I believe is about getting results, he starts on falling into trials. Why? Because he wants to teach you how to get through those trials. Yeah? He starts in the negative, in a sin, you could say almost in the negative situation. Count it all joy when you fall into trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Eh, testing of your faith. Well, if you pray and you say, Lord, I believe you, and instantly a miracle happens, it was there much, te- much testing to your faith. Do you know when the test of your faith comes? When you declare, by stripes I'm healed, and tomorrow morning you get a bad doctor's report. Now the testing of your faith comes. Yes. Yeah. Do you really believe that? Yeah. And, and, then, and, and, and then you get another doctor's bad doctor's report. The testing of your faith comes when you say, God, I believe you're going to meet my needs. I'm going to tithe. I'm going to give. I'm going I'm to speak out blessing. And the next moment, the, 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 the car breaks down and three extra bills come through. And, 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 and then suddenly you don't have the money, pay your rent. Now the testing of your faith's there. Yeah? So the testing of your faith, what is the testing of your faith? Very often, it's something opposite to your faith. It's something that's moving in the opposite direction, making it look like your faith is not going to work. For Peter, the testing of his faith when he was walking on the water was the storms raging around him that said, you can't walk on the water. Personally, if I was Peter, I'm not convinced I would have looked at the wind of the waves. I probably would have looked at the water and thought, you can't walk on that stuff, you know, (laughs) because you don't walk on water. Okay. I mean, he got the wind and the waves in his eyes. We all get our eyes on different things. Yeah. But very often the testing of your faith is something that's pushing opposite. It's something in the seen realm. What was the testing of Abraham and, and Sarah's faith? God said they're going to have a child. What tested their faith? The fact that their bodies were dead. Romans 4, they were, everything in their body said you can't have a child. Yeah. 
So <clears throat> now in James 1, you'll see the word trials, you'll see the word tests. Um, it's very often it's translated. They, quite a few translations will change the way they translate the same Greek word. Sometimes it says tests, sometimes temptations, sometimes trials. But actually the word there, like in verse 2, it says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. The word there basically, it, it, it has to, it means all of that. It means tests, trials, and temptations. Um, it, it's an all-inclusive word. It basically means tests in a good and a bad sense. It includes temptation to sin, test of your character, your integrity, your virtue, your faith. It, it includes pressure that comes upon you to check out your character. So it's a very, it's a very inclusive word, yeah? Okay. That's why sometimes some translations will use the, tem the word temptation. And the problem is we hear the word temptation, we only think in one line. But the Greek word they're used is a very, it's, it's anything coming to challenge or test or tempt you in, in any way. Coming, uh, um, uh, uh, yeah, so it's a very broad word is what I'm trying to say. So I think when he, he writes this with a very broad word because he's writing to a broad audience who's going through a lot of things. Yeah. One person, it's one thing for another person, it's another thing. But what he's showing us is the same word works, the same truths work, no matter how broad the temptation. Yeah. With one, it might be a family challenge. With one, it might be a financial. With one, it might be a health. With one, it might be just all kinds of different things. Yeah. But the same word works in, in, in all of that. Um, and and, and, and uh, now the attitude, first of all, the attitude, I'm not going to dwell as much on this one. What, what attitude does he say? No matter what the pressure, no matter what's coming your way, what is the attitude by which we respond to these things? Count it all? Sure. That's the opposite response. Yeah. Yeah. I don't see many Christians do that one. I know many Christians that know they should be doing that one, but I don't see many that do it. I have never, and, and please, I'm not knocking anybody here. I have never yet had a phone call from someone saying, oh, and help me pray for me. I am so excited about the challenge I'm going through. I'm in such joy. <laughs> I have not had that phone call yet. Oh, and help me. I don't know why it's not working. Ah! cry 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 i'm like where's the joy <laughs> we're not getting this part of it are you <laughs> okay somewhere so there is a way you can get into joy yeah. how do you how do you get into joy when you're facing a test to your faith <laughs> okay but you can work up joy what, what what is what is joy what is joy show joy of the lord is my Oh, that you're trusting the Lord. Yeah, expectation. Okay. What, what, does anyone know how Jesus faced the cross according to Hebrews 12? For the joy that was set for What does it mean, set before him? The, the expectation he, he, he of the results. Yeah. The, the joy that was in front of him, he endured the cross. The cross. What does that tell you? Where did his joy come from? Did it come from the, the excitement of the pain he was going to suffer on no, the cross? Yeah. No, that was not nice to no. go through. And I, don't, I wouldn't want that on anybody. What do you, if you've ever read descriptions of the cross, it's a horrific situation. It wasn't. See, some people think it's the trial that gives me the joy. Oh, we've yeah. got to be good, be joyful and the sickness. Oh, Lord, I'm so excited. Praise you for the sick. No, 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 no. That's not the joy it's talking about. Look at the joy Jesus had. What produced the joy? The expectation of the results. The expectation was on the other side of the cross. What was on the other side of the cross? 
Did Jesus, first start for himself, did Jesus go into that cross knowing he was going to be resurrected? Oh, he, he, no, yes. no, did he not himself speak out as Jonah was in the belly of the whale three months, three, three, three months, three days and three nights? Yeah. So the Son of Man shall be. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Did he? Did, doesn't Psalms, which is quoted in Acts, where Peter quotes it, and I've mentioned this on the Thursday nights at least twice in the last couple of weeks, talk about how it says you will not leave your holy one to see corruption. That's right. Yeah. Uh, he spoke that out. He spoke that out before eternity. It was recorded in Psalms before we ever, before the events ever happened. Talked about the destroying of the temple and that it would be rebuilt. Yeah, destroy this temple; it'll it will rebuild it in three days. Perfect. Now, yes, Jesus is speaking out prophetically, but many people don't realize he's speaking out his destination. Mm -hmm. That is Jesus' faith in operation. Jesus went to that cross in faith, no. believing. He was coming out the other side. So one, the joy that was set before him personally is he knew the result. His faith, his eyes were on the result. Okay. What's to be produced despite the pressure. The other thing I believe is I believe he saw the results in the sense of us. I believe he saw the family of God. He's the one who talked about a seed does in the ground and produces loads of seeds, you know, all kinds of things like that. Okay. So, if Jesus believed that cross was the end of him, would he have gone to it in joy? Okay. Well, maybe if he was a religious Christian who believed <laughs> we're supposed to be joyful in the problem itself. No, the joy was from where his eyes were on, on the word that produced that. So it's counted all joy when you fall into various trials. You're not going, yay, for the trial. Yay, for the trial. The joy is because you believe the word. Joy is a, an indicator that someone believes what God says. I'm joyful even when my finances look like they're crashing around me because I believe God's my provider and I'm coming out the other side. Yep. See, joy is an indicator of faith. It shows it. So one of the first things James covers, the second verse of his book, is he said, if someone's joy level is going down, you know they're not believing the promises of God. It's like a person says, you know, I, I believe in the promises of God. I know I believe in God, but I don't understand why it's not working. You ain't believing them. <laughs> they're crying over the promises of God. They don't really believe that promise is going to come to pass. They're hoping, they're clinging to it like a dream. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's why I, and I've said this recently, you can tell when a person is spending time in the word and spending time in the promises of God because they talk different in a challenge. You can tell when someone believes it because they'll come to you and say, oh, and stand with me, get in agreement with you. But I want to tell you something with or without your agreement. I'm coming through this thing. And, 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 and you, I, I'm coming to you. I just want someone to help me up, pray with me. But you know what? We are coming through this thing. That's how faith talks. And the moment someone's language and they, their joy level drip, drops down, it begins to tell you something. Something is beginning to drop on their confidence in that scripture and, the, and what they're standing on. Yeah. So for the joy that's set before them, well, one of the things I, I like to say is this faith does not look at what it is going through. Faith looks at what it is going to. Your joy level is, is, is you're looking at the prize. You're looking at the result. You can tell where people's vision is at by their joy level. 
what they're looking at, their eyes, what are they looking at? If all they are consumed about is the pressure of the situation, now please believe me, I, situations can be emotionally painful and difficult. I'm not saying they're not, yeah? But uh, what, did, what does the Bible say? David encouraged himself in the Lord. See, when, 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 those, when, when the emotional pressure starts to get you, this is where, where a person of faith begins to say, Lord, I can feel the pressure of this, but I, I, Lord, I, I am making a choice. I believe your word says we're coming through this. I see an end to this. The enemy, all, the enemy wants you to see is the dark tunnel that you will never get through. He wants you to see darkness in every direction, and that produces hopelessness, despair, despondency, and it just drags you down. Yes. Okay? It does say run through the race with, from, uh, from, uh, towards the goal. I can't run for the prize toward the goal. Yes, I press toward the goal to, to the mark for the prize of the high calling. I'm getting it muddled up yes. now, yeah? Okay? So a person's vision, vision is what you're looking at. If, if all you can see is the storm, you're going to be depressed. If all you can see is that the storm destroying you, you're going to be depressed. But if you can see that storm is not going to destroy me, and like Jesus said, we're coming to the other side, I'm coming out of this, the storm itself might not be nice to bear, but I know there's a tomorrow. You see why we've got promises from God, which, what's the one that talks about joy comes in the morning? Okay, grief, I can't lasts grief lasts for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Yeah. Okay, and and then yes, that mentions joy, but actually, if you can see the morning, if you can believe God says there's joy, if you can believe when God says, I have given you a future and a hope. Yeah. Yeah. See, the enemy wants to bring you into hopelessness and steal the joy, but a person who believes the word will still have that joy. Okay, it doesn't mean you don't feel the emotion of the situation, but you you see an out, you see an end. Even the Bible says, um, "What does it say about temptation?" This is all just. I didn't know how today was coming out. Okay, I just knew we'll jump in with James, but um, uh, he says, um, God is not. Uh, how does it say? Uh, um, there's always uh, there's always a way of escape out of temptation. You know the scripture. I think it's in Corinthians. Give you more than you can. Yeah, but 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 notice this. There's always a way of escape. Yeah. I think that's how it yeah, says yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What does that mean? There's an out. There's an out. You might not see it yet, but if a person believes what God says, they'll always believe there's a way through something, a way out of something. Now it might not look like it. And the, the classic example I like to use is the children of Israel as they came out of Egypt. God led them to the Red Sea. They didn't just end up there by accident. God led them. Now, could they see a way out? Absolutely nothing in the natural. You talk about a situation with no way out. You've got an army behind you who's intent on either slaughtering you or putting you in slavery. You've got an ocean in front of you, a sea. It's probably, you know, it's not, it's, not, it's not like you can see the other side 20 meters away. They probably all they saw was water. And as far as I know, they, from what I understand, there were mountains on either side of them. They were literally trapped. But was there ever a moment God was concerned there was no way out? They might not have known the way out. 
And we sing the song, he, he makes a way. He is the way maker. He literally did that. A person of faith believes if God has to smash a hole through an ocean to get me through this, there's an out. Because he has always said out of temptation, out of situations, there is always a way through because I have a promise. There's never a point where God says, I have no more future for you. I have, I have no more hope for you. I mean, seriously, if God said that, there would literally be no, that would be hopeless. Yeah. But because you believe there is a way through, this is not going to last forever. Mm. And I hold on to, it's not a false hope. It's a, it's a hope built upon the word and the promise and the covenant yeah. that I know I'm coming through this. This is not, even, even at times when it feels like it's gone on forever. Yeah. Mm. So the joy is key. Your joy level one one minister, one minister, and I like the illustration. Sometimes I hear illustrations and I can't improve on them, so I'll just use them. But he says, he says, your faith is like a car. It's like you're you're driving through in your faith mobile, and you're driving along. And he says, just like in your natural car, there's certain gauges on your dashboard you need to keep an eye on. Okay, like your fuel gauge and your temperature gauge. Your water, either, you know, like if you, if you if you start getting flashing lights and your fuel is beep, 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 beep and whatever else, that means stop and do a checkup, get something put in there. Yeah. So your faith mobile has certain gauges that you need to keep an eye on because they so anyone can say, I believe the word. But if there ain't any joy there, you have to question whether they whether they're letting go of that belief. Somewhere, they, they, if you really believe it, you'll believe that that result is coming to pass. So your joy level is one of the gauges on your faith mobile. When your joy level starts to drop, you know I'm getting my eyes off the promises. This is why, you know, and when you minister to other people, here's a side thought, you know, Jesus was an expert at ministering to other people. And 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 he, he would locate where people were at. And very often, he knew where they're at is not going to help them receive. I need to shift their position. I need to get them from where they're at to the position where they're going to receive. And, and, and it doesn't always necessarily mean he taught them all the principles, but sometimes he, he was able to get them to shift a position. Like, for example, when J.R., now Jairus, when he first came to Jesus, was in the right position. And Jesus said, let's go, let's go heal her. And then there was a, an opportunity when, when the, the option for fear and despondency came to Jairus when he got bad news. And at that point, he was, he was literally about to shift position off believing into fear and, oh, no, there's no point. And Jesus pulled him back. Now, stay in the faith position. Yeah. So Jesus knew how to do that with people. And when you're ministering to other people, there's a lot of wisdom and knowing, recognizing where they're at. People are not always where they say they are. Someone said, well, I believe the word. <laughs> Joy level gone down. What does that tell you? So, somewhere along the line, they, they're getting their eyes off, some, off something and they're not really grabbing it. So that gives an indicator to you of some, an area to start helping them. And we've got to get the joy level back up. Mm. We've got to start feeding them. God's bringing you through this. Start speaking the word, the promises, you're coming through this. Give, get them to latch back onto that again so that their joy level starts to go back up. Okay. Another one, I won't go into this right now. Another one is, is, is peace level. Joy and peace, two gauges on the car. You've got to keep your eyes on. If your peace and your joy level are going down, that indicates your believing is shifting. And you're looking more at what you're going through than, than, than what God has said. 
Okay. And, and, and sometimes it, it's great to have someone else lift you up. We all need that. I have a problem with that when we try to lift people up. But actually, we all want to come to the point where we can lift ourselves up. When you start to recognize my joy levels dropping, that's where, hold on, I need to start saying no. The word says this. You're reminding yourself. I know the word says I'm coming through this. If you've got to go and shut yourself in a room and, and, and dig your heels in the ground and say, the word of God says, and you quote that scripture, my God shall supply. God, you are my source. You are my provider. We all have to do this. We've got to learn how to do this. And everything it says, you, you're not getting the bills paid. And let's say you were trusting God for the bills to be paid on time. And that was five days ago. We're now five days past when the bill is due. Anyone <laughs> ever been there? And be, see, people let go of their faith down and say, well, God didn't come through for me. No, don't let go of it. You stood on the promises of God. Now you've got to test. This is, goes back to something we were talking about um, earlier where, where, where people have watered down some of the, the you know, yeah. and then we don't see that. I am holding to this. Yeah. I, I, you know, now God, now, now the money's not just got to come to pay, pay the bill, but maybe the interest and maybe the bank fees from, from it bouncing. But I'm coming through this and I will not back down on my faith stand because I know the word works. And sometimes you have to reinforce that in yourself. And it becomes a single-minded attitude. That's, that, that's the kind of mentality that um, Abraham had when, he, when God said, go, go sacrifice your son. Now, with Abraham, he knew that promise was coming through Isaac. God had said through Isaac, the promise, the, this promise is coming. And now suddenly he, he's faced with losing Isaac, but he, 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 he didn't deter. He didn't move off path. And he, he, was, he was like, even if God has to raise him from the dead, the promise is coming to pass through Isaac. That is a, I don't know the right word, but that is a bulldog determined faith. That is an, I believe that promise. Even if Isaac dies, some God's got to do something because God didn't just give some general vague promise. He specifically, it's specific in this instance for him. That means ain't nothing ever happening to Isaac without Isaac having a child first. Yeah. 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 There's no way. So, But Abraham was, was solid on that. Now, we look at Abraham, we think, wow, look at Abraham, and wow, that was great. But then some, something comes along our way. Like I said, you believe in God for a bill to be paid, and suddenly it's not paid. And now suddenly, oh, we just throw in our faith. We don't have that same, God has said it. God has said it. If it looks worse, if it looks worse, if it looks worse. I quoted in a moment ago, J. Iris. Yeah. J. Iris comes to Jesus, lay your hands on her, she'll live. And this is his 12-year-old daughter. Yeah. And, and as far as from, if you look at the different, different versions, it's his only daughter, yeah. 12 years old yeah. is probably the love of his life as a father. Yeah. I don't know if he had any sons. I'm not quite sure, but 12 year old daughter, she is on the verge of death. Yeah. He has invested everything, even coming to Jesus. Yeah. Where should a father be when she's not, she's not 12 hours from death. She's not three days from death. She is at the point of death. That scripture says she is ready to die. Where are most parents when that's happening? They stare at the deathbed saying goodbye, holding, crying. Yeah. Now, this man has walked away from his child's deathbed moments from death because he believed Jesus can help. He wasn't just clinging on to a false hope. He came to Jesus and said, lay your hands on her. She'll live. 
So he had really stepped out. He had invested everything he had, even to the point of not even being able to say goodbye to his own daughter to get Jesus. Yeah. He's a synagogue leader, but, but, but even that he's a father and he is literally, if this doesn't work, he doesn't get to get to say goodbye to his daughter. And he has invested everything on Jesus getting a result. And halfway back on the journey back, the news comes, she's gone. Imagine the emotion that must have felt like. I mean, I'm sure denial, I'm sure regret, I'm sure fear. But he's like, maybe I shouldn't have come and got Jesus. I, sh I should have stayed there by her bedside. You know? So that, that is like he, he invested absolutely everything in God coming through for me. And right there, you don't get much more hopeless than that. That situation is over. She's dead as far as he's concerned. And that's the point many people give up. Well, we trusted God, but now it's all gone wrong and they just give up. But what happens there? Jesus grabs him and says, you released your faith. You do not pull out on me. Don't get afraid. Keep believing. So, so what does that teach us? Like I said, you stand up, God, meet my needs. I need, I need my bill paid by tomorrow. That I'm desperate. And suddenly tomorrow comes and doesn't get paid. You've, you've, you've put everything out there to trust God to come through for you. And now everything goes the opposite way. Jairus, literally everything went to the opposite way. And he was faced with a decision. Am I enough committed to the stand I've said to say, no, 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 no. I took my stand. This is not going the other way. I'm not moved by what I see. I believe what the word says, and I believe God will come through for me. This is turning around. Yeah? Or do we quit and pull out? That's the kind of faith that, that I believe we've got to be at. The kind of faith that says, I, even if, I was going to say, I don't care if Isaac dies. Well, yeah, of course you care. But even if, even if he dies, I am not letting go of this faith. Even if Jairus' daughter dies, I am not letting go of it. That kind of faith, I don't see a lot in Christians these days. They'll, well, we prayed and, the, you know, and then it all went wrong. And, then, you know, oh, well, God didn't come through for us. Faith, the kind of faith Abraham had and Jairus has doesn't talk like that. It goes straight through those situations. It says, no, I have stood on the word of God. The promise of the word of God is what it is. And I am not backing down of it. If God is going to move with a miracle, raise from the dead, release resurrection power, split a Red Sea, that promise will come to pass. Yeah. Okay. And, 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 and that is the kind of faith. So, so. <laughs> And because I believe that promise is coming past my joy level, my peace level, I'm not letting go of that. I'm going to just keep rejoicing and praising that's coming through. Yeah. Yes. Now, it's great to see these examples in the Bible and think, wow, look at Abraham, look at Jairus. We can learn some lovely little Bible lessons from Jairus. But the moment you're in that situation, suddenly we let go when the bad news comes. Let's do the opposite of what he did. Yeah. And that wasn't just bad news. That was literally everything said. This situation's over. Your faith stand has failed. Finished. I mean, Lazarus being raised from the dead is another one. Yeah. I personally believe Mary and Martha and possibly even Lazarus were in faith for healing. I believe the clues are in the passage. One, they sent for Jesus. But two, the moment Jesus arrived, 
Martha or Mary, one of them said, if you had been here, he would not have died. What does that tell you? She believed he would have been healed. That they sent to him, not for a sympathizer, they sent for healing. So they fully believed Lazarus was to be healed. That's why I personally believe faith was released. I believe there was a release of faith before Lazarus died, which is what, what produced his resurrection. It's, it, 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 it's, not, it's not just that after he died, they got into faith. This is where, but I do believe, that, and you see the same with Jairus, and I'm going to have a boldness to preach this more and more. I personally believe we would see more resurrections from the dead if we wouldn't quit our faith stand. If faith has been released before the death, that gives a basis for a resurrection. I'm convinced of that. I believe we've got scriptures for that. Okay. And, but there are a lot of people that have let go of it at that point because they're oh, well, it's over now. We believed you, but, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I believe there's more in that that we haven't seen, but I'll, I've given you two scriptures there on those situations. And I believe with Lazarus, I personally believe Martha, Ma Mary, and probably Lazarus were believing for his healing. They were trusting. They were close friends of Jesus. They knew what Jesus preached. These were not religious Pharisees, empty the word. They were part of Jesus' ministry. They believed the things he was preaching. And that's why when he did come and he said, you know, um, Jesus said this will not end in death. Yeah. And he, well, he spoke that out, mm -hmm. but, 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 um, I lost my train of thought there for a moment, but, but that's why when he arrived, they said things like, if you'd been, yeah, he would, he, he would have lived. Okay. And then he says, then he says, did I not say to you, if you believe he talks to them about believing, mm -hmm. People often think that resurrection was just a gift of the spirit in operation. And I do believe manifestations of the spirit can produce this. But I believe that is a faith miracle, that one, when you look at it. And he says, did I not tell you if you believe? What's he trying to tell her? Stay with me. Yeah. Stay with me. Don't let go of this yet. Yeah. 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 And he's trying to pull her back to that position. With her, she's caught up in grief. She's struggling with it. Okay. Yeah. And... Then Jesus comes to Lazarus' tomb, and, and before he says, Lazarus, come out, I love this. He says, roll the stone out the way. Yeah. You know what? Stones are things we roll over situations that we think are dead. It's finality. He said, get that out the way. It ain't over yet just because it looks over. And so, so often we let go of things, of faith stands, because we think it's all over now. And I'm not just talking in context of raising the dead, but in many situations, people take their stand. They believe God. It goes wrong. It goes wrong. It goes wrong. And at some point they quit, they let go. And then they just say, well, on to the next thing. But I do believe there are many situations where if we would say, no, hold on, God, you said, your word said, and I'm standing on that. I'm not letting go of that. And I'm going to continue rejoicing. Even when the pressure's on the testing of your faith. Yeah. Is this all right with you today? Yes. You're looking at me as if I fell out of a tree. No, <laughs> no I'm teasing you. I'm, I'm looking at that. I didn't actually even get as far as I thought I was going to get to this one today. Okay. But I do believe this is something we need this. I can't, I can't think of the build of faith has been used, but, but it's not even the terminology. Just this absolute, I will not let go of what the word says. I am so convinced it is true. And I am so convinced he is a covenant keeping God. If he has made that promise, absolutely nothing is going to cause me to back off that promise. Right now this, I'm going to, I will end on this point and then hopefully we can pick on this one, uh, pick up on this one next, next week. Verse three, 
James 1, I didn't even get past James 1, 3. Knowing that the testing of your faith, which we've talked about, produces what? Patience. Patience. Now, what is patience? This is actually what I was trying to aim for, and we'll have to pick on this next. Patience. Waiting in trust. Okay. Patience is an interesting concept. It's, perseverance, it? it's in scripture. It's an interesting one. And part of why we don't get as much out of what the Bible says about patience as we should is because we don't realize there's two different Greek words, which are translated patience. To us, it's the same English word. There are two Greek words and they have different meanings. One of them is perseverance and stuff like that. Yeah. In this instance, patience is, it's the Greek word, I don't know how to pronounce it, param, parasimos, okay? Um, no, hold on, that's the translations. That's the, that's the temptation. Sorry, I'm on the wrong, herpomonia, uh, yeah, I'm on the wrong part of my notes here. Let me get to actually, um, and it means, first of all, cheerful or hopeful endurance, which is where we get the, 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 the perseverance idea out of it, but it means constancy. What is constancy? It's never changing. Never changing. Constant. Something that is constant doesn't change. Okay. Constancy, enduring, patience, patient, continuous. Um, and it speaks of being constant or consistent. Or I like what one minister said, consistently constant. <laughs> In other words, being the same way all the time, regardless of the circumstances. Patience, right? Now, that's, that's a long way off our idea of patience. Patience sometimes means we're just going to sit and we're just going to wait and God, when are you going to come through? Okay, I'll tell you the best biblical example we have of this kind of patience is the scripture which says Jesus Christ the same yesterday today and forever what does that tell you constant constant he's, he's not going to be a different way tomorrow no i'm just thinking that's constant never yeah that's consistent consistency that is this is why i say to people god's not as mysterious as people make him out to be i i you know in, in fact let's end on this let's go to hebrews 13 i'll end on this and we'll talk more about this from the next time Hebrews 13, um, verse 8, which is the one I've just quoted, and on to verse 9. Uh, Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ, the same. What does the same mean? Never changing. It does not change. It's not different. Okay. Or Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, people say, oh, yeah, but that's Jesus. And we can rely on the fact that he's the same. Is he not the image that we are to be conformed yes. to? Shouldn't we become like yes. him? Now, what does being the same mean, or should it mean? Does it, should it mean we're in down unbelief every day? <laughs> same. So we're supposed to speak the word, believe the word, have the word in our hearts, have the word in our mouth, believe this what what god says now what happens tomorrow if the storm goes the opposite direction and the wind is blowing into chaos still got to you're the same you speak out what he said what the word says you're i i'm the right who i am in christ i'm identity i'm speaking that out 
and, and, and you declare, I, I have authority over the storm. What happens if it gets worse the next day? What is being patient? What is consistent? The I am the same. I'm speaking it through. You are staying the track. You are speaking it that same, the same, the same, the same thing. Yeah. Jesus, now, Jesus Christ, the same. You should, you should say this. Enza, the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. Angela, Owen, Ella, put me in there. Because Jesus Christ is the image that I am to be conformed to. If it shows me something about him, then I need to conform to that. I need to come to that place where I am the same, regardless of the circumstances. I will be speaking the word out of my mouth. What happens if I get a doc bad doctor's report? Do I fall apart and cry and say, oh, God, why aren't you doing your promises? Or do I say, God said, and I speak out the same, God said, you are my healer. Mm. That's the same. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus Christ, this is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Verse 9 then says, do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines. And then it goes on. I was reading this one time, and I, it seems like he's just jumping around. And the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God often in the past, or at times, teaches me with questions. And he's done this with a few scriptures. I've read a scripture, and he'll ask me a question about the scripture. And usually I scratch my head like, um, I have no idea what you mean by that. Can you please show me? Because I can't figure it out. And then he'll give me an answer. And in that is a lot of revelation. I'm like, wow, you know. And he did that once with this scripture. He just pulled, as I read it, do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines. He's, he, I just heard this rise up in my heart. In context with this, in, in the context of this verse, what is a various and a strange doctrine? And I thought, well. And I thought, I looked at it and I thought, I don't know. And then, and then came the answer. A various and a strange doctrine is anything that shows Jesus as having changed in any way. Anything that presents him different. Anything. It's a strange doctrine. Don't be carried about. Who is Jesus? He's exactly who he was while he was on this earth. Has he changed? Has anything about his will changed? Has anything about what he would do for a sick person changed? That's why you can build a lot of strength in seeing who he is revealed as in the Gospels because you know he's exactly the same right now. Yeah? Anything that presents any change in him is a strange doctrine. That's why, and I'll end on this, that's why I say God is the most, and we know God's the same, but God is the most predictable being in the universe. Mm. Religion will tell you, oh, you never know what God's going to do. I'm like, yes, you do. You know exactly what he's going to do. You don't always know how he's going to do it, but you do know what he's going to do. What is God, what is God always going to work toward and do for a sick person? He's going to heal me. You always know what he's going to do because look at what he's always done. Look at who he's always been. You see, when you teach someone as being unpredictable, like, 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 like if, 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 if Jonathan said to me, Owen, I'll, I'll meet you tomorrow for coffee. I don't want to cause a marriage, marital split here. And, 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 and not Angela. And one of you comes and says, oh, Owen, I know he said he's going to show up tomorrow, but you really don't know what he's going to do. What are you telling me? I know he said, but you're telling me he's unreliable. You're telling me he's unstable. You're telling me he's not a person of his word. He won't keep his promises. <coughs> That's what's in those thoughts. You don't know what God's, oh, you never know what God's going to do. Yeah, yeah. I know exactly what he's going to do. He gave me his word. Yeah, yeah. He told me what he's going to do. 
for me to say anything opposite is to question, is to call him unstable, unfaithful, unreliable, not dependable, and untrustworthy. <laughs> and that, who am I to question his character like that? So I know exactly what God's going to do. He is going to do what he said he's going to do. And I, have, I can have that. Therefore, he is the most predictable being on the universe. Mm-hmm. Who, who, what, what human is there who, who does 100% all the time everything they say they're going to do? No. And, 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 and like Jesus said, if you being evil know how to give, give, give good gifts to your children, if us as humans value keeping your word, and we don't get it all right, but if we think that's a good quality, how much more will my father in heaven do exactly and be exactly who he said he's going to be? Yeah. So I can absolutely count on and say, God, you said you're my provider. I'm not going to let go of that. I'm going to stay consistent even when every storm rages around me. And I'm going to stay joy. I'm going to keep my eyes on the fact that I'm coming through this. Yeah. Every, Amen. Every yes. Yes. And we hold to those promises. Mm-hmm. Now, this is one of those messages I just got to end somewhere because it, I'm just going to keep going on for another hour. Please do. <laughs> I'm just literally going to bring it to an end there. Um, but I hope that stirred you up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Certainly stirred me up. Thank you.